Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. This this buddy cast has been brought to you by Lead by a Magician. Braden Daniels has over 20 years experience in business, leadership, training, and coaching. Braden uses magic to engage, empower, and transform leaders across industries throughout the uh, throughout provoking keynotes and workshops. Learn how to make your next meeting magical by emailing Braden at BradenDaniels.com. Well, the world has still gone nutty, buddy, buddy. Even downright buddy, buddy, buddy. We shall miss the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still buddy cast. No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody here on buddy cast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Welcome to another episode of BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is none other than the legend himself, Mr. McFeely, a.k.a. David Newell. How you doing today? I'm fine, Nick. Speedy delivery to you. <laughs> speedy delivery to you, too. Hey, you just heard my theme song. Can you sing the speedy delivery song by chance? Oh, well, I'm not a great singer, but it goes something like this. If there's anything you want, if there's anything you need, McFeely's delivery brings it to you here with speed. Yes, our speedy delivery is a speedy delivery. Speedy delivery to you, Nick. Speedy delivery. Speedy delivery, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Feely. That's the song that Fred Rogers wrote for me that I would sing every so often on uh, on the neighborhood. So uh, we, you just had a little uh, sample of it. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. So let's start from the beginning. How okay. did you, for our viewers out there, how did you discover the role of Mr. McFeely? Well, I think it discovered me in a way. Uh, I'll back up in 1967, long before you were born, mm -hmm. uh, I was in Europe for the summer visiting my cousin. And I got a telegram from a mutual friend of Fred Rogers and mine saying that Fred Rogers is taking the program, it was a regional program at the time, nationally got some underwriting from Sears and Roebuck's foundation. And my friend made an appointment with him for me to be interviewed for work and go ahead and go. So I did, I can't remember the exact day, but I met Fred Rogers and the position was to be in charge of all the props and costumes and production coordinator in a way. And that's the position. So he talked and talked about everything except the job. And at the end of an hour, we were talking about everything. 
And he said, well, when can you start? <laughs> and <laughs> he, I guess he sized me up and figured, well, okay, he can do. He knew my background, but I had never met him before. And just before I was leaving the interview, he said, oh, by the way, uh, since Fred wrote all of the scripts, he wrote his own material. He said, I've written in the part of a delivery man, and I want you to play it. And uh, I said, oh, that'd be fun. I mean, I'd like that. And it was, a, it was a small part, he said, but I'd like to have you uh, come in every so often and make a delivery. As, as, oh, yes, the name was then, not McFeely. But McCurdy, Mr. McCurdy, that was my name. So just before we started taping the first show, I'm jumping, I'm jumping a couple months here. I was in my costume, ready to go. We're gonna tape the first show, and the phone rang, and it was for Fred, and it was the Sears Robux Foundation calling him to wish us well. We like the concept, et cetera, et cetera, have a good taping. However, could you not call the delivery man Mr. McCurdy? Because that was the name of the president of Sears and Robux Foundation, not the whole store, but the foundation. Mm. And they thought it seemed a little self-serving. So Fred came back to the studio and I could tell he was thinking about something. So we have to get you a new name. Uh, we're going to tape in 20, uh, 20 minutes. And before he finished that sentence, he said, McFeely, that's your name, Mr. McFeely, because it's his middle name. And I guess then McCurdy, MC McCurdy, MC McFeely, that rang a bell, and here I am. I'm Mr. McFeely. After mm -hmm. all the all all those years, I've been Mr. McFeely, and it really is, in a way. Uh, and I think maybe this was in the back of his mind too—a tribute to his grandfather, because his grandfather was the real Mr. McFeely. So that's how mm -hmm. I got into the program. That is sort of a. Uh, 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 a brief version of it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, I love that story because he made a character based on his grandfather for you. Uh -huh. A lot of this show is based off of my grandfather. Oh, who really? Was my role model. Like, he gave uh -huh. me the name Buddy. So oh, I he thought, did? Yeah, anywhere I went. Hey, my buddy's here. Guys, come meet my buddy. Anytime you oh. called him on the phone. Hey, buddy, how's it going? You know, that's where the buddy comes from. I see. Well, that's very well, good. Because yes. my grandfather is a big and my real grandfather was an influence for me, as was Fred Rogers. So there's a lot to be safe, said for grandfatherhood. Yes. I, I, I now I am a grandfather. Uh, we mm -hmm. have six grandkids and uh, I don't get to see them as often as I like. But uh, it, when I do, it's really a, a pleasure. Mm -hmm. It's really a magical time, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is very magical, and I I, I love it. The, they range in age from uh, uh, fourteen down to five, six, seven months, something like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's a, quite a range. Yes. Now you were mentioning earlier your first appearance. You know, your the first episode before the name change and everything. Uh -huh. Do you remember that episode? Like, do you remember the experience and everything for oh, you? Oh, I do. I do quite vividly because my first delivery was an armadillo. You know what an armadillo is? It's a South yes. American animal. And it's got a lot of hard, uh, I guess, bony skin of sorts. But, uh, and it had something to do with the, the, the theme of the show, armor and... Something was, and I can't quite remember the exact theme of the show, but related to the theme. That's why I delivered it. 
Mm-hmm. And I came in with the armadillo and we looked at it for a while. And that Fred wanted to show children the, the, a potpourri of the world, you know, and armadillos and taking care of animals and so forth. And we talked about the armadillo. And then I said, well, I, uh, I have to get the uh, armadillo back to the zoo now, Mr. Rogers, and I'll, uh, I'll see you around the neighborhood. I've got to go. I'm in a hurry. And as I was going out the door, I sort of said, well, speedy delivery. <laughs> and he said, speedy delivery, Mr. McFeely. And it sort of stuck. So, so that's that was, how speedy delivery came to be. Well, yes, but but up to that point on my jacket before we started, there was a speedy delivery patch. That was the name of my one man delivery company, <laughs> speedy <laughs> delivery. But I it wasn't in the script, speedy delivery. So I just I just threw it in and now it's become sort of a, a catchphrase, speedy delivery. Yeah. So that's how that was the first episode that I remember quite well. I love it. I love it. And it, it's an iconic catchphrase, you know, it's one that you always remember in it. It's always those moments that happen by, say, accident or something like that, that truly become the legends, you know, like Buddy, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I remember at the end of my at the end of every episode, I always say, go be someone's buddy. I think I made that up at the end because my mom, who you met at Comic-Con, yes. was like, you need to end on like a positive note. I'm like, just something, like have some good outro or something. And I was thinking about it, thinking about it. And I'm like, you know what? It's Buddy. You know what the world needs is more Buddy. So go be someone's Buddy today. And then like a bell went off in my head. Like <laughs> like that little ding. Well, that's a perfect ending for your show because it's the Buddy cast, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And now, you can thank your grandfather for the name right exactly i thank him every night you know <laughs> every night before i go to bed well that's wonderful yes well, and you you enjoy your buddy cast right you've done how oh. many now, would you say this is actually episode 180 oh my goodness you've been busy <laughs> oh yeah and we've had a whole variety of guests let me well, tell wonderful. you wonderful i'm glad to join to join the group thank you we're honored to have you you know what we say? You're not a guest on our show. You're a buddy. Well, good. That That's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. absolutely. Now, speaking of buddies, yes. I know you met your best buddy on the show as well. You met your wife on the show. I did. Wife. Well, yes. she wasn't actually on the show. She worked for the, co- the production company. But mm-hmm. uh, yes, uh, I was there for about 10 years. And then uh, my wife, whose name is Nan, moved to Pittsburgh and was looking for a job. And one thing led to another, and she got an interview with Fred Rogers. And just so happened that we needed an associate producer at that time, any harder. And I guess that was fortuitous because uh, uh, we were married about a year, maybe maybe two years after she began. And uh, she at times would... Uh, our courtship was that we go on appearances. She'd mm-hmm. go with me on my did McFeely appearances, and she sometimes wore the purple panda costume. We have a, a purple panda on the program, mm-hmm. and uh, and I would take the costume along with me. In fact, I've been in, at the Erie station so many times, WQLN with the purple panda over the years, and that's how we met. And... Um, we were married about two years later. Now, when we have three children who are all grown and they have children, so it was uh, 
fortuitous, I think. That we, mm-hmm. met, we, we met in the neighborhood. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Now, keeping it in the family, your son is actually a real postman today. Yes. Yes, he is. He works for the Postal Service and, and delivers in Pittsburgh. And he uh, he got the he took the civil service test, and there just happened to be an opening in the post office, and he they he took that he took that job, and he'd like to get into management. And I think eventually they said, well, you you should have a route first. You should know the system and so forth. But he's a mailman, and he seems to love his job. He mm-hmm. it's uh, and he's and he he loves to meet all the people on his route. He he uh, he's made friends with a lot of them. Um, and he, so he's, uh, he's doing it for real and I'm doing it for pretend. <laughs> yes. He seems to have the McFeely spirit though, you know? I, I think he does. His name is Alex. Alex Newell's his name. And, uh, if you're ever in Pittsburgh, you may see him on the street delivering, making a speedy delivery for the U S <laughs> postal service. Mm-hmm. I will say that was a beautiful article they wrote on him. That oh, a... that's right. That's right. Your uh, your viewers may not know there was an article written and it got into the national news uh, about uh, Mr. McFeely's son, real son, is a real mailman, and a little bit about the, his job and how he got into it and so forth. And it got picked up by a new service. I had uh, people from all over the country. Uh, calling me and friends calling me saying boy your son is a mailman that's that's a coincidence they didn't know that mm-hmm. and it, it's thanks to the it got picked up on a lot of the uh, n- uh, news services that uh, service newspapers and and radio stations and so forth so that's how it got around the country nice and i nice. guess i guess the uh, the the tag or the uh, was how people picked it up was it's McFeely, who's the speedy delivery man, and his son is a real mailman. I think that was sort of the hook that they, mm-hmm. why they picked it up, but it got around. I love it. Love it. Speaking of stories about you know stories of life, stories on people, I gotta I gotta ask you this: What were your thoughts on the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? You know, I like the movie. Um, I was there when they filmed a lot of it, and I have a little cameo in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Tom Hanks did a wonderful job. He got the essence of Mr. Rogers. You know, you were aware that it was Tom Hanks, but after a while, you 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 forgot. He, it worked. It mm-hmm. worked. You 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 you. He made he you believe. It. Yes, yes, that's right. He did. He got the essence and the and the story of the film was a true story mm-hmm. uh, nine, uh, 95% true there was a little there's, they added a few things but basically it was a true story and I remember the day the reporter that they had in the film called to ask if he could do a story for Esquire magazine that was what I was for and I got the call because after the years went on I I I stopped being the production coordinator on the set and I became mm-hmm. the PR person for the, for the show. So I would be sort of the gatekeeper in a way. Mm-hmm. And I got the calls when they wanted to interview Fred Rogers. And so I got that call. And I remember to this day, the, his saying that he'd like to do a cover story on Fred Rogers. And that's how it all began. Out of that became a movie. Mm. And, and I think the films that were done in the last five, six, seven years, the documentaries in that feature film really 
gave people the the importance of what Fred was doing. I I think maybe they thought it was a a nice little kiddie show, but it showed the, the depth of who Fred Rogers was with those documentaries and what he was doing how he was using television to, commun- to communicate uh, information to families and, and, and young children and the respect that he had for for the childhood and children. And and I think those movies helped it. Yes. Uh, it got it got it around even more. I think it, people realized it, but it, it reached an audience beyond the audience that watched the program every day. We we reached out to another audience and that made me feel feel good about everything they did yes what do you think about the actor that portrayed you oh I, he he did a great job he uh, he's from the pittsburgh area and they uh they they interviewed or watched auditioned i guess and they they chose they chose him and uh we had a picture taken together the two mcfeelys <laughs> uh, and i think oh am, am i am i always that frantic am i always that speedy <laughs> but uh but but the uh cameo that we mm-hmm. did there was a cameo in a restaurant towards the end of the film where mrs rogers and i was in and uh margie our producer and hedda who's been there and bill eisler who was the ceo we were all the ones who were helping fred and the producer said we want to have all of you are at a table in this restaurant so we can pan the camera by and and uh, pay sort of a tribute to you all and that's what they did Mm -hmm. and so if anybody has not seen that film who is watching this now if you watch the film towards the end there's a restaurant scene where tom hanks and uh, matthew reese the other actor who played the author are Mm -hmm. talking and matthew reese said or no mr rogers tom hanks said think of the people who helped you as you were growing that i'm paraphrasing but that's sort of a line and then at that point the camera pans around the restaurant and sees Mm -hmm. people doing that it's a wonderful scene and uh they pan by us and uh your your viewers can look for that if they if they have the yes. dvd of it or it's on yes. it's on one of the systems one of the it's on hbo or one of them now too so yes yes it'll be around for a while mm-hmm. and it had you sitting with mrs rogers am i correct or yeah well she yes in a way she is on the next table so we're grouped i'm not mm. right next to her but our table is right next and when they pan mm-hmm. the camera it looks like we're closer than we are actually but it yes we're in the same there are two tables that yes. they pan by and uh, and uh, mm-hmm. we're there <laughs> paying mm-hmm. tribute and we had it was done in the morning and it was a chinese restaurant and they had to do the takes over and over and they were feeding us chinese food at nine in the mornings <laughs> oh so we had a lot of rice in the in the morning but it was a uh, a wonderful time it took us all morning to do that little scene but and tom hanks was so friendly as was Mm -hmm. matthew reese the uh, actor who played the author and it was a it was a wonderful experience watching them put the story together and you know the set the set that you saw all those years on mr rogers uh is in is in 
the Heinz History Center in Pittsburgh. So wow. if anybody's ever in Pittsburgh, there's a Heinz History Center, which is history of the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. But that is a permanent set that people can see. So it was already installed. So the movie company had to recreate the set. And they did. And <laughs> they had it set up in the studio where we taped Mr. Rogers. And I walked in to see it. And I swear uh, it was going back in time. It was like, uh, just like our set. It was, I couldn't tell the difference. And so they recreated that set and the interior, that, that the exterior neighborhood of Maple Leaf, the uh, ex the Owls tree in the castle was recreated, as was the interior where Mr. Rogers comes in and changes his shoes and, and sweater. That was all done by the movie company. Mm-hmm. And parts of that are at the public station in Pittsburgh, WQED. Uh, they gave, they donated them to the station so they can have them on display there. So there are two displays, one from the movie and one at the Heinz History Center, which is the authentic real set that we use for all those many years. So if your mm-hmm. viewers are ever in Pittsburgh, I suggest if they're interested in, in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh history, they should go to the Heinz History Center. The Heinz a, History lo- Center. Heinz History Center is a lo- lovely museum. And mm-hmm. they have the history of the Heinz company there and a lot of Pittsburgh businesses. And, well, they're really national national businesses. You know, Heinz is known all over the country, or the world, mm-hmm. really, as mm-hmm. is the neighborhood, for that matter. It's known all over the United States, Canada, and a lot of the islands. So it's uh, it's more than just Pittsburgh. But anyhow, yeah. that's, that is what is dedicated to the Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania history. So I recommend it. <laughs> yes. Now, speaking of history and momentums and all that, is that yes. a Fred Rogers sweatshirt I see, or sweater I see behind you? Oh, you see it. Yes. 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 There it is. All got, all got out of the way. Yes, it is. Yes. You saw it. I didn't realize it. Yes, that is a Fred Rogers sweater. And I'll tell you the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, his mother made a lot of the sweaters he used on the program. She was a knitter and she knitted sweaters and gave them out as holiday presents. His sister would get one. He would Mm -hmm. get one. And he used his on the program. Mm -hmm. Well, after his mother died, we had some other ones knitted by other people and that one i think was knitted by another person but fred wore it on the program Mm -hmm. and one day he gave me he was going through the sweaters and he said you know uh here are two sweaters that i don't need uh we have the same color and the other color is 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 a little brighter and it looks better on camera Whatever, whatever the reason was, he gave me two sweaters that he used often, and that's mm. one of them. So I brought them home, had them in the, the the closet upstairs, and one year from my birthday, about two years ago, Alex, the post postman, <laughs> somehow got it out of the house without me knowing it, took it to a framer, and had it framed and gave it to me for my birthday, and now I have it hanging in my office. So yes, that is... I'm trying to get you see it. There is the the Mr. Rogers sweater hanging in my office. One of them. Yeah. Now there's another one 
uh, one of the really original ones is on display at the uh, Smithsonian in, in Washington, D.C. I don't know if you knew that. Mm. That one was done by his mother. That's a uh, uh, one of her name was Nancy Flagg and uh, her labels in the uh, sweater. And another one is at the uh, Heinz History Center that we I mentioned. There's one there, too. And the others are in storage at... Uh, at one of our uh, facilities, so uh, we still have some of the sweaters, but I have but I have two of them, <laughs> one frame <laughs> and one still hanging up. <laughs> love it, love it. Now I want to backtrack a little bit. We yeah. mentioned his wife Joanne Rogers, and um, I will say in the movie I absolutely loved the part when he she's talking to the author, uh-huh. and they're just having a conversation, and he realizes it's Mrs. Rogers. And she, he's like, you don't call him Fred, or you call him Fred or something like that? And she looks at him and goes, well, we don't call him Mr. Rogers at home, honey. You know? <laughs> That's true. She she never yeah. did. She, sometimes she had a nickname for him, too. She called him Fred, but she all, also called him Raj. R-O-G-E, Raj. I guess that's how you spell it. Uh, that was the name she used a, a lot was Raj. Hey, Raj. And that was a very affectionate name that uh, she used to call. I don't think she called him that everywhere, but that was a, a name that, uh, that that she used often. But no, she mm -hmm. didn't call him. No, she didn't call him Mr. Rogers, but she called him. For, she did call yes. him Fred a lot. So yes. but Fred and Raj were the two names she used. And mm -hmm. Fred's nickname for her was Sarah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think her middle name was Sarah. I think it's uh, Sarah Jo. No, it's Sarah Joanne Rogers, I believe. Uh -huh. And then that's why Queen Sarah is named for Sarah. Uh, her, that's why the name is Sarah, because mm -hmm. of Joanne. And other names in the uh, of the puppets, Lady Elaine, by the way, the uh, Fred's sister was Elaine. Uh, King Friday, I guess that's just King Friday the 13th. That's because of mm -hmm. Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. But some of the other... Uh, uh, there's a character on the program called Miss Polificate. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a family who has a, a person in it by Paul and Kate or something like that. And Fred made up the... He, he loved to play with words that was uh, because he was a he was a composer you know his his background in uh, in college was uh, uh, piano and and composition and you probably knew he wrote all the songs that he sung on the program mm -hmm. i would say 98% of them and uh, he wrote the scripts i would say 95 over the years there were a few other people who wrote the scripts but he did the majority of them so it really was Mr. Rogers neighborhood and we were all the the helpers so to speak. Look for the mm -hmm. helpers. <laughs> yes. Yes. You said he wrote all the songs. So yeah. that includes Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Yeah, he wrote that. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. now there was a earlier on before the Mr. Rogers neighborhood there was a, a local program called the Children's Corner and that's how he began in television that ran for seven years in Pittsburgh and he was behind the scenes doing the puppet the puppets and there was a uh, an actress by the name of Josie Carey who mm -hmm. was out front and she and Fred would have dialogue 
and she also wrote uh, lyrics to some of the songs and uh, a couple of the songs that Fred still uses. That's why I said that uh, some of the lyrics of the songs that Fred still sings were written by Josie, as were some of the songs that she wrote that he used. But I think the majority of the songs that he used on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he he wrote. Mm-hmm. And you talked about all the puppets beforehand. Yes. Um, there's also a puppet, Daniel the Tiger, who now yeah. has his own TV show. That's right. Do you um, know Daniel, the story of Daniel? Or? Well, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, there is a story on Daniel. Um, well, there's another program, too. Before I get into Daniel, there's one called Donkey Hody, which mm. is another puppet. And that just came on public television, too. Donkey Hody is on public television. That is puppets, but Daniel Tiger's neighborhood is animation. Mm. But how Daniel came to be is back in 1954 when they were signing on the WQED station, public te television. It was the first community station in the country. In 54, there was one other, I think, in Houston and then Pittsburgh. And at any rate, the name of the general manager of the Pittsburgh station, WQED, was Mrs. Daniel. Mm. And on the occasion of signing on, she gave Fred a puppet. It was a puppet she purchased. It was one of those Stife puppets that you could buy. Stife was a, a brand of puppets. It was made, they, they were made in Europe. And you could buy them, and they were lovely puppets. And she, she gave Dan, uh, Fred Daniel, and he called it on the first show of the Children's Corner, Daniel Tiger. And that's how Daniel Tiger started. But over the years, it it's changed a little bit, but it always remained a tiger. And now it has changed because uh, the Stife Company, I didn't, didn't think... Uh, approved the, cl the clearance of using their puppet. So Fred had it remade as a, a, a puppet of his, uh, a tiger that looked like a tiger, but it also had stripes and he called it Daniel. And that's the tiger you saw all those years on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now it's been animated and uh, it's the star of its own show. Yes. <laughs> Yes, he actually travels around here in Erie, Pennsylvania, too, by trolley. Oh. They have him make public appearances and all that. So. Oh, that's right. I know that uh, there are several costumes that stations can borrow mm -hmm. and uh, or, or rent from the company, and they have various days. They have public television days in various cities, and Daniel Tiger does a, a lot of appearances. And I, I over the years, I did, too. I was, a, I think, Erie public station more than any other station because it was so close to you could drive to it mm -hmm. uh, and i re i remember there was a store in erie pennsylvania maybe there still is i think it's called the boston store yep or, that was an old store yep yes it's now a bunch of apartment buildings and radio stations oh it is in yes. that building yes well i remember being there and i think at the time this was back in 1968 69 they had a breakfast with Santa in their restaurant on the 11th floor. Mm. And they had Mr. McFeely, breakfast with Santa and Mr. McFeely, they called it. 
And I remember doing it for several years, and it was always an overflow crowd, a wonderful event. They served breakfast to the kids, and Santa made an appearance, and I would greet everybody and hand out pictures. I love those events because you got a chance to meet the families who were watching the program and it was I, I i loved i loved that interaction that was one of my favorite things to do was go out and meet mm-hmm. the families who were watching the neighborhood so mm-hmm. and i did that for many years at the boston store plus mm-hmm. appearances at wqln i their auction i would help with their auction which mm-hmm. i think they still have yes uh, they still do yep yeah and that's what most public stations have one uh, it helps them. It's a fundraiser, and it helps keep them on the air. And mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to help support as best I could. So I made a trip yes. to Erie. <laughs> yes. Now, speaking of fan interactions and all that, yes. do you have any fan interactions that still touch your heart today when you look back on them or things oh. that you'll always remember for as long as you live? Oh, boy, there are so many. Yeah, I remember being in Philadelphia and for event there and they had me visit a children's hospital and there was this one little boy I've never forgotten it who was so ill but he was a big fan of Rista Rogers neighborhood and they said you know when you go into his room he's probably not going to be too active because he's not feeling well, but I think your visit might help. And I didn't stay long, but I went in and the one thing he said to me was, oh, Mr. McFeely, I feel so sick. And I said something like, well, that's that's why you're in the hospital where people can help take care of you. And and I, I think that uh, it wasn't a terminal illness, but he was he was very ill. I've 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 never forgotten that, and uh, you know your heart goes out because there there's there's not much a child can do, and sometimes they can't even express how they're feeling. But this little boy did. He must have been three or four. But he was managed to say how he feels so sick, and I think just by saying that, just by vocalizing that to someone. And maybe to McFeely, it made him feel a little better. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Who, who knows? Mm-hmm. But it's good that he was able to vocalize it. I think that Fred always yes. said, uh, and he always said on the program, it's good to talk about your feelings. You know, not. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I was just about to say that seemed to be the message for Mister Rogers: express how you feel, talk about your feelings. Yes. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to. You know, the, you know as long as you don't react on it, it's okay to feel angry. It's okay yeah, to. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. He 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 would tell children. He in fact he wrote a song about uh, what do you do with the mad that you feel when you feel mm-hmm. so mad that you can bite. It was, and what he was saying was, it's okay to be angry. It's a human emotion, but it's what you do with that anger. You redirect it. You you know, and they goes on in the song to say say. Uh, what do you do with the mad? Do you feel so when you feel so mad? You go, do you round up uh, a gang for? Uh, in other words, do you round up friends for a game of tag and see how fast you can go? Uh, mm-hmm. In other words, you redirect 
your anger, you get it out without hurting anybody. Yes. That's what he, uh, that was the lesson from that song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, keeping, keeping uh, feelings, there are times when you keep things to yourself. I think not everybody 100% gives everything out. But it's good to talk about when you're angry, when somebody's made you angry. That's okay, because I, I, I think you could work work it out. Yes. You know, uh, and then there's an example of a program we did. Uh, we went to Russia. This was just, oh, this is in the, 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 when Glasgow was still going on and the whole, it was a whole Soviet union. Mm-hmm. And I saw a program one night on nightline. It's, they were showing television from Russia and they were giving examples of news programs, sports programs, oh, documentary programs. And then they gave one of a children's program from Russia. And the voiceover said, the best way we can describe this program to you, it's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the one wow. in Russia. And I said, aha, a light bulb went off. <laughs> Why couldn't we have an exchange of our own? Two television programs, one from Russia and one from the U.S. and have an exchange. Mm-hmm. In other words, I was thinking, Maybe countries can't get along always, but you know, the people in those countries can. Yes. You know, the average person on the street and the average person on the street here would get along fine, I believe. Yeah. So I thought, well, I I mentioned it to Fred and and he said, well, let's think about it. And he came up with a, a script and we went to Russia and visited the woman who's in the program that is, mm-hmm. and then her name is Tatiana. And then she came here and visited our studio and was on our program. So it was a really a, a TV host exchange. And that has something to do with what do you do with the mad that you feel? Uh, you can talk about your feelings and, and uh, maybe it doesn't cure the world's ills by having a program like that but it shows children that you can get along with others. And, yes. and I hope that came through. You know, it was a little subtle, but maybe that came through to some children and helped in some way. And anyway, it was a very interesting uh, 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 two, an hour of programs. We, we broke it up into two half hours and it was shown uh, in two consecutive days on, on, on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I love that. I you never that's, that's that something one. that's that something a... we need today too. Yes. You know, with oh, the yes. mad you feel because so many people are mad about things like all the politics in the world today. Oh, you know, yeah. we've got a virus out there that's keeping us locked down, things like that. Yeah, and a lot of people that. are treating it with anger. A lot of people are treating it. They're mad at the world. They're mad that they can't do anything anymore. Like they can't see family anymore. They can't you know, just go to the grocery store like they always do without having to panic about things, you know? No, no, you're right. It's your, and we're divided in a way Mm -hmm. politically and, and also with the, 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 the virus too. Now it's, I hope it's getting a tad better, but we're still in the, we're still in the throes of it. And, uh, you know, it does uh, create some sort of attention, you know, it has to, you know, we, Mm -hmm. We've been separated from one another for a year. Well, a good, a, maybe a little over a year. Mm-hmm. And 
that would be a good song uh, for kids to hear. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think they use it on Daniel. And I think, of course, it's on the reruns of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, what do you do with the mad that you feel, that you feel so mad? You can, it's called Mad Feelings. In fact, we did a whole week called uh, the uh, Mad Feelings Week talking about how, how to uh, express your emotions. You know, don't keep them in. And don't keep angry feelings in, and don't keep happy feelings in too, or mm-hmm. loving feelings in. You you can tell people what you're feeling, and it it it, it, it helps. I don't know if it cures the world, but it helps. And if everybody yes. did it, maybe it would cure the world. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You hit the nail on the head with that one because a little story for you. That's how BuddyCast was created. Because seeing all the behind the scenes stuff from a news station, you know, it was just like, it was just like seeing like you report on the pandemic, like how many people, how many new cases are there today? And just the comments that you read weren't very neighborly, if you know what I mean, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I thought, you know, this world just needs like a feel good story, like just some positivity to get you back to the good old times, like talking to Mr. McFeely about (laughs) time with Mr. Rogers or, you know, talking to the local street vendor about why he started this business or the piano teacher about, you know, what inspired her to go into music, things like that. And then I'm just like, this world just needs like a buddy or something. And that's when the light bulb went off. (laughs) So you had a light bulb too, right? (laughs) Yes. That's when the light bulb went off. That's when everything, when you heard the ding, (laughs) well you that's wonderful you and you know you acted on it and that's and there's another song that mr rogers wrote called you've got to do it Mm -hmm. you know it like it goes something like if you want to ride a bicycle and ride it straight and tall you can't simply sit and look at it because it won't move at all for it's Mm -hmm. you who have to do it and it's you who have to fall and I forget the rest of the thing, but what he's yes. saying is, if you want to do something, get up and do it. And you did it. You 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 thought about it. The light bulb went off, and you mm-hmm. created BuddyCast. Now you could yes. have the light bulb could have gone off, and you maybe you act. My point is that you acted on your idea, and yes. that is what Fred was also saying to children on television. But if you want to do something. You do it. Go do it. Period. You got to do it. Yes. And and along the way, riding a bicycle, you don't ride it perfectly the first time. No, no, not at you, all. You, you you might take a spill and you get up and you mm-hmm. do it again. Mm-hmm. And that's how you learn and grow. And that's, exactly. that's basically exactly. what he did. And it may seem like a simple premise, but, you know, for a young child, that's, that's good information to present to them. And it was he didn't present it in a preachy way. He presented it in a in a way that I think they could catch it. Yes. And I, I want to tell you a story about that catching. When Fred was studying his for child development, uh, he he has his degree in music, and then he went for a master's in child development at the University <laughs> of Pittsburgh years ago. And part of the study was to visit child care centers and observe children at play. You can learn a lot about children just observing what they're doing at play. Yes. Well, they had parents come in once a week to show the children what that parent did for a living. 
you know, there could have been a mechanic, there could have been a baker, etc. But one week, a sculptor came in and he brought in a big chunk of clay and he put it down in the center of the table around the children and he just started molding the clay into some sort of figures. And the children did the same. They were catching what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And the artwork that for the rest of that year for those children were was was so much more imaginative and so much more prolific and there's a quaker saying saying that attitudes are caught not taught and if you love to do something in front of children they'll catch your attitude they'll they'll catch your enthusiasm and that those children did they they caught that sculptor's enjoyment, his love of what he was doing. And that's what I think Fred Rogers did on television. And I think children caught his respect for them. Mm -hmm. They they caught his uh, love of education Mm -hmm. and teaching and Mm -hmm. showing positive ways to to navigate the world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And And so that word catch, children so you don't have to be preachy all the time you can do something you love to do in front of children and they'll catch it for instance at home if you love to to cook mm-hmm. you know, maybe have your children observe you and and just go about go about doing it to show your love if you love to repair cars mm-hmm. you know, go about doing all of that i think i think there's something to it and that's, uh, in a way, how Fred Rogers uh, uh, did his uh, did his program. Yes, and you're absolutely right. It's all about observing and learning. Now, yes. speaking of learning, yes, I want to ask you, what did Fred Rogers teach you? Most importantly, like what's the biggest lesson you took away from Mr. Rogers? Oh, I think oh, there's many. There's so many. Just just the respect for children. And how easily they catch, and and you have to be aware that children are absorb. They absorb mm-hmm. they positive, and they absorb ne- and absorb negative too. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the most important things he taught me was listening. You know, uh, for instance, if uh, it's to listen to what your children are saying. Uh, for instance, if you're home on the computer and your child comes in, wants to get your attention, uh, you know, it's not the best time. Uh, and sometimes it's okay to say, just give me a minute till I finish this. And that's okay. But yes, if your child comes in and you're on the computer, do take your time and stop what you're doing and just listen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that that's a, a a big lesson that he taught me. Just don't say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later." Don't dismiss it. I think it's very important that that you listen to what children might want to be telling you. It may not be. It may be very important, mm-hmm. and you have to to listen and try to decipher maybe for very young children what they are saying. So don't be on the computer as you're listening. Turn the computer off, sit down, and listen. And I think that is a – and Fred did exactly that. Mm-hmm. When you'd go into his office to ask him a question, he never had a desk. He had a, a sofa. 
and he sat on a sofa and he wrote on a yellow legal pad. That's how he did his scripts. And you'd walk in to ask him a question about something and he'd be involved and he would look up and uh, I would wait for the moment. I didn't want to bother him, but I had to ask a question. He would look up, put his pen down and take his glasses off as this is saying, there's no barrier here mm -hmm. in a way, and, and listen to what you had to say. And that was, I think, a, a lesson that was so important uh, because people have important things to say. And it shows a respect, too. It shows a respect for children and for childhood. And yes. at the same time, the adult can learn a lot by listening. And I, and I think that, that, uh, that was a lesson that uh, I observed and I caught so to speak. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, speaking of lessons, what yes. about the character, Mr. McFeely? What did the character, Mr. McFeely, teach you? Oh, boy. Well, you know, in a way, uh, it it taught me to slow down a little bit, too. I, In fact, when I was being interviewed by Fred, he said, you, and you talk very fast. You, uh, Mr. McFeely, you, you, you talk. Whoops. Something happened. That... One second, buddy. I think you glitched. There you are. Sorry, you yeah, glitched something... out there for a second. Yeah, something. There was a uh, a call or something coming through on my iPad. Can you ah. edit that? Yeah, don't or, worry about or... it. Don't worry about it. Okay, we. That's yeah. technical difficulties, folks. I was yeah. starting to say you were asking what Mr. McFeely taught yes. me, right? Yes. Yes. And, and I remember Fred telling me how fast I spoke during our, our uh, interview. And, and he, I think that was another reason he chose me. I, I don't know. At any rate, he wrote a script about, uh, now, Mr. McFeely, uh, yeah. you're always in a hurry. And, and I think I was always in a hurry, too. I was very busy. I had three jobs to do, and I, I wanted to get them all done in real life. And so one day he wrote the script saying, Mr. Mufili, come on in, have a seat, and we're going to do some sitting still exercises. <laughs> and he was, in a way, teaching children. This He was teaching Mufili a lesson. He was te teaching David Newell a lesson and the audience a lesson. To be able to relax and take your time and do things right. And he had another song called, I Like to Take My Time and Do Things Right. You know, when you rush through things, oh, that was another thing. I I think maybe I had a delivery and I was showing him something too and on another day maybe. And mm -hmm. I said, oh, Mr. Rogers, uh, uh, hurry up and put that, that, that puzzle back together. I have to get it back to the library or something like that. And I was rushing him. And that was intentional. He was he wrote that because he wanted to say, now, Mr. McFeely, oh, I, I, I can't do this when you're, you're rushing me so. And, and let's just take our time and we'll put it together and you'll have your puzzle and you can take it back. In other words, he was slowing me down so I wouldn't be rushing. And, and in turn, children may catch this and learn from it. Rather than turning to the camera and saying, now, don't be in a rush. You know, it wasn't a preachy way of saying it. He was showing it by example so children could catch it. And the bond between Mr. McFeely and Mr. Rogers was a, a, a very solid friendship. And that was a, 
a lesson too that these two friends could talk about something that maybe they one was rushing the other and the one was a little upset with that but they were able to talk about it and work it out so many lessons in that one little episode and that that taught me a lot too just as david newell and how maybe you approach children and you know the program not only helped children, but it helped parents too and teachers. A lot of teachers and caregivers would watch the program to see maybe how he dealt with uh, various subjects. And we had a lot of letters from saying, thank you, Mr. Rogers. I, I watched this episode on, on sharing maybe. I, I can't remember all the ones that we got. And thank you. I, I learned so much from that uh, the, from your episode, and I used it in my class, and it works. Uh, things yes. like that, and that's very satisfying to get the to get uh, uh, letters like that. You must mm. be doing something right, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, buddy, I've got a few more questions for you, if you don't mind. Okay. The first one being, in your own words, was it mean to be someone's buddy? In my own. It means to be, oh boy, that, that's hard because there's so many variations on that. But I think maybe I just described it. To be able to be somebody's buddy is to be able to be there for them. Uh, to be able to speak your mind to them. To be mm -hmm. able to be, say, I'm upset, you upset me. Uh, with rushing me so, or or saying that to me, why did you say that? Be able to talk things through, and the buddy being able to handle it. It may not be easy, you know. Nothing is easy when you're you're working through some sort of a dialogue or a problem. Mm -hmm. But I think if you've got a true buddy, they're there for you. Through thick and thin, that's a that's sort of a corny phrase, but through thick and thin, your 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 buddy is there, and you may not like everything they do, and you may like everything they do. You never know. Mm -hmm. But I think that's my definition of someone who you can tell anything to, and have them accept it, or and keep it to themselves too. Somebody mm -hmm. you can trust. A buddy yeah. is a a trustworthy person who has your back, so to speak. <laughs> yes, I love did I, did yes, I that. Is that is the perfect answer. Okay. The perfect. <laughs> and now, buddy, it's time for what we yeah. call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question, which is yes. brought to you by Lead by a Magician from Brandon Daniel from Braden Daniels. So this is the part where I ask you for advice. For advice. Okay. Yes. The first part being for anyone who wants to be on a children's series and create an iconic character like Mr. McFeely, what is your advice to them? Ooh, uh, there's so many answers to that too. But I'll give you an example of someone who, who came to Fred wanting to be on, mm -hmm. wanted to get into children's television. Mm -hmm. And... She came to Fred. I, I, I know this person. Uh, she came to Fred after she graduated uh, from college and wanted to get on children's television. And he said, you know something? 
if you really want to get into children's television, you should go and study child development. You should know something about children. And in fact, I recommend the University of Pittsburgh. This was as Fred was saying. I recommend a course at the University of Pittsburgh. It's a two-year course in child development, and he took it. Um, I would recommend you look into that course if you want to work with children in any capacity, but especially children's television, to find out what makes children tick. Now, this is uh, for children, preschool, young children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the course was basically a child development, they call it child development course, and you studied the development of a, a child through birth, through the teen years. And that was his advice. And I think uh, that would be my advice too. If you want to go to children's television, you, you should know something about children, at least courses in college with, you know, child psychology or, or studying uh, children's television. I think it's helpful. And, and helpful and helpful to the audience too, so you know what you're what you're creating for a young mind. You know there there's certain things. For instance, young children don't separate fantasy and reality. I'm talking about young mm-hmm. children, not a not a ten year old, but a yes. two and three year old. They don't separate that, and that's something you can learn in a child development course how to deal with with the separation of fantasy and reality it's all clumped together and mm-hmm. dealing with that's why the neighborhood of make-believe is separated from the openings and closing the opening is reality neighborhood of make-believe is fantasy and then fred brings the child back to uh reality so he separates the two and that's very, very good to do, to, to let them know that. When, when we had uh, Margaret Hamilton on the program, the Wicked Witch of the West, children mm-hmm. were afraid of scary images. We had the actress on, and we had a costume for her that looked like the witch's costume. She used the Wizard of Oz. And she tried it on, and she did her cackle and took the costume off and said, you know, I'm not a scary person, but my job is that I'm an actress and I pretend to be a scary witch sometimes or a scary monkey or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and it helped children and breaking down that, uh, uh, that, you know, separating the fantasy from the reality for a young child, you know, uh, 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 a third, fourth grader would know that was pretend. Mm -hmm. But that's what Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is geared to a, a younger child. We tried to help them developmentally as they grew. And uh, so I guess that what was the question. Was that, did I answer your question? Yes, yes, advice. Yes, advice for anyone who wants to Get create a, like a children. Yes. Yeah, to know to know as much as you can about children if you want to get into children's television. I think that's a very important uh, prerequisite. <laughs> yes. And the final question that I have yeah. for you today is what is Mr. McFeely's advice to the world today? Oh. <laughs> oh, boy, be a buddy. I guess 
can we be a buddy to other countries? I guess we we are buddies to a lot of countries, but I think we need on the on the individual level to to be a buddy. And there are ways of dealing with anger. And I I, I think that uh, we should work on it. I mean, we're certainly far from it. And listen, if you listen to other people's opinion, whether you, if you've, you might vehemently disagree with it, but mm-hmm. listen and try to put yourself in their shoes uh, and see where they're coming from. You may not agree, you may end up never agreeing, but maybe you know where they're coming from and they're, it may bring something together. I don't know. I, I I wish I uh, I wish I had better advice, but uh, mm-hmm. that's I, perfect advice. I, that's the McFeely advice, you know. <laughs> it was a little speedy, but I, you know I'm yeah. I'm not a philosopher and I'm not a psychologist and I'm certainly not a uh, uh, a politician. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listening to others. Yes. And respecting their opinion, but respecting yourself and respecting others is very important. Hey, if you don't love yourself, if you don't respect yourself, you have a hard time respecting others and taking in their their thoughts, their their beliefs, their opinions. So respect and listen. Exactly. Hey, that's all. That's all. What Buddy Cast is about: listening to others. Well, good. Well, I. Yes. Well, you did. A, you were a very good listener. You listened. Thank you. And, and you, you let me just ramble on. He didn't, didn't even stop me. But uh, never, uh, never. We love, we love long stories on this show. You know, we love to hear stories because that's what gives us stuff. You know. That's right. That's right. And well, yeah. I gave you a few long stories, but I, yeah. you, you can. Pr- probably tell and i can think i can close out with uh, uh, telling you uh, one of my philosophical beliefs is uh, you've probably heard this before it's uh, a saying uh, when you choose a career when you're planning and this is some advice i guess too when mm-hmm. you're choosing a career or planning a career or choosing a job whatever make sure you choose something you love because you'll never work a day in your life yes and I think that is good advice. Sometimes you can't do that. I know it may be, you know, maybe it's not possible, but whatever you, you can do to make it close to choosing someone, something you love, do it. Because you won't work. I've never worked a day in my life. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked hard, but working with Fred Rogers and it, and feeling to be a part of a larger project was something I loved. I, I, I loved being able to be part of a television program that was helping others, helping children uh, as they grow and uh, as they grow. And I guess I did that. <laughs> you absolutely did. I will say that hands down. You absolutely did. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you, buddy. For being a buddy here on BuddyCast. It was an honor and a pleasure. Okay, Nick, the buddy. Now I'm going to count to three, and we're both going to say speedy delivery, and that'll sign us off, okay? Sounds good. Okay. Before you do that, I have yes. one I have yes. one favor to ask you before we close off this show. Okay. 
Go and be that, someone's buddy today. Go be okay. I'll, I will. I'll take you up on that. I will do yes. that. <laughs> you can do it by the phone or by mail or by anything, right? You doesn't yep, have just to having be. a conversation with a friend. That's right. Okay. I, in fact, after we finish this, I do have to call a friend. So yes. I'll put that first on my agenda after we finish up. Yes. And we'll finish up by counting to three. Mm-hmm. And we'll both say speedy delivery, okay? Sounds and good. Your viewers, your viewers can too if they like. Here yes. we go. One, One two, two, three. three. Speedy, speedy delivery. delivery. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye, Mr. De- Mr. McFeely. Thank you for joining us on BuddyCast. And for all my buddies out there, this was David Newell, a.k.a. Mr. McFeely. Go be someone's buddy today. We'll catch you next time here on BuddyCast. Bye-bye. Well, the days are going fast. Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone fast. Buddy, buddy, to